Hello, it's Mike Dubin here. It's the 37 Years Podcast, back after taking a week off here with Matt Dubin. Happy to be here, everybody, and back this week. Yeah, but we're, we're happy to be here, but obviously this is a, a day of uh, reflection and a little bit of uh, sadness as the Knicks season ended last night, and uh, a valiant effort uh, against the Heat, and went out in six games, and you know, showed a lot of life last night, but couldn't get the game closed. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, and we'll talk a lot about this, it was a great season, but in the playoffs, when you get this far, there's really no moral victories. And, um, you know, it, it was, watching the game last night, you were hoping for a win, but Miami was just, just too strong. The shooting came back from Miami last night after a very valiant effort by the Knicks in Game 5. And if they'd gone out in Game 5, I think they would have went out with a whimper. And I think by going out in Game 6, it was very fitting for the end of the season. We want to talk more in detail about that, but Matt, what are your sort of high-level thoughts on last night and the season, and then we'll get into it a little more. So I thought the season was great. I think the Knicks are back. You really look at the Knicks teams of the last 10 or 15 years or so, and it's a lot of disappointment. A lot of teams that you kind of come into the season with know they're not a contender. This this year and years in the future, we know this team is legit. They have stars at the top. I thought this series was interesting. I felt like the Knicks made a lot of little mistakes that they weren't making in other game or other series and games per se. <laughs> A lot of little mistakes, a lot of boneheaded plays, like five-second violations, throwaways, things like that. Some guys, maybe not as motivated as others, felt like they could have done a little bit more. So it's an, an interesting, I think a great season, but yeah. yeah, I think they could have gone farther. Yeah, so Miami was significantly better than Cleveland. Significantly. The coaching was better. The bench was better. And the starting five was much better. And there's no comparison in the playoffs between Jimmy Butler and Donovan Mitchell. Jimmy Butler, for you know all the flaws in his game, was clutch at every moment in that game. Miami, in the games that they won, seems like they never missed a shot. The Struess, Vincent, Kevin Love. I don't know how Cleveland gave up Kevin Glove for nothing when they had no bench. It's it's kind of interesting, and I agree with you in a lot of those sentiments. And I, I really think one of the big matchup problems too was Bam Adebayo. Yes, it didn't it didn't seem like the Knicks really had an answer for him, no. and it was putting Robinson on, putting Hartenstein on him. It just seemed like there was no answer for his versatility, and I think that was a major problem. Well, which will be very interesting if Miami ends up playing Philadelphia when he goes against Embiid, and even Boston's bigger guys. That'll be something. We'll talk about that a little later. But I think you're right. In the middle, like Mitchell Robinson had one good game where he got a lot of rebounds. I think it was game five. And, you know, game three and game four, which were the first two games of Miami, the Knicks were out-hustled on every loose ball. That game four, if we remember, going back a few days, they lost every offensive rebound. They lost every Miami must. There was that one sequence where Miami got like 10 rebounds in a row before they made a shot. And the big guys, well, I think, look, I think Hartenstein did fine. Like he was hustling around. Robinson was good in that one game. Last night, Robinson made two free throws. That was the only two points he scored in the whole game. And, you know, he had really very little presence. And you're right, Bam Adebayo did whatever he wanted in that game. 
and that lends itself too to kind of the Knicks roster configuration for years to come, but also the, the current roster configuration. They don't have that stretch four kind of defender that a lot of these other teams have, a 6'8", 6'9", really good defender. It's, it's interesting because Mitchell Robinson, while I like his center versatility, gets a lot of rebounds, it just wasn't there that game. No, and, you know, the, the Knicks, there was that sequence, I think it was in the second quarter when they had a 14-point lead, and then they put in their bench guys, and there was just nothing going on. And we'll talk about this, um, and Miami just blew them away. And I think Miami also had the luxury of having Kyle Lowry playing with the second unit. It seems like he made every play. He made every shot. And, you know, Duncan Robinson got hot. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, Armageddon. Well, a really precarious thing, too, and, and I love that point of bringing up Kyle Lowry <laughs> as that catalyst for the second unit. Emmanuel quickly, sort of as his counterpart for the Knicks, was like nowhere to be found. Right, and then injured. He was hurt, like I get it, you know, dealt with some injury concerns, but it was it was just a rough playoffs for him. And yeah. I don't, that's concerning because he was the man in the regular season and really gave the Knicks that versatility coming off the bench. And it's like the playoffs, no, no, nothing no, was going in. It seemed like a lot of guys on the Knicks were nervous in the playoffs. It yeah. seemed like last night, R.J. Barrett... And we'll talk a little more about this reverted back to the R.J. Barrett of the regular season where and, – and I can't understand this too. It, it, you know, J.J. Redick on, on the game last night brought this up. It seemed like the Knicks offense was, you know, was Brunson dribbling in and seeing what he could do. And then if Randall dribbled in, he never gave up the ball. Miami also did something really interesting. They full-court pressured Brunson. Uh, last night, Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent, and a few other guys helped with that, and it was a win-win for Miami. One, obviously, it caused more effort for Brunson, and you know he can't play forty-eight minutes and whatever. But two, anytime Randall dribbled the ball up and had to be the decision maker, it was a win for Miami. He was like dribbling up really slowly, and it was interesting because Charles Barkley on the on the game before had talked about the idea that the Knicks need to control the pace and they can't just walk it up and let Miami set up the defense. And every time that Randall dribbled it up, that's exactly what Miami did. I also think there is, like, I've been a, a big fan of this. They've, weirdly enough, the Knicks kind of have let Randall play a lot on the perimeter. Why not stick him on the inside right. and let him, and feed him in the post? Like, I don't, he gets, he gets fouled a lot. Like, he's someone who kind of can create his own shot. Why... Because when you put him on the perimeter and let him dribble the ball up, he has to make more decisions. I think for Randall, it's easier when he just gets the ball and can kind of figure it out near the rim. Yeah, well, I, I have a different take. I think that would help. I also think Randall is only good when he holds the ball for three seconds or less. I think they should make a rule with him. You can only hold it for three seconds. He sometimes makes really good passes. He's great when he takes a quick shot. When he holds the ball and gets in Carmelo mode and tries to, you know, back in and he gets in the paint and he passes these wild passes that go all over the place. What, and, you know, and then one or two times he tried to feed Mitchell Robinson, who wasn't even ready for it. And I don't even know his decision making was very, very bad last night and most of the series. Yeah, I think they he doesn't have a clearly defined and weirdly enough as a guy who was all NBA third team and supposed leader of the team he doesn't really have a clearly defined role he kind of just plays a bunch of different positions and on offense and I think 
that going into this offseason, they really have to figure out, is Randall a five? Is he a stretch four? Is he a three? Because it didn't look like they knew what he was, and they kind of let him run free. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that we're going to talk, not today, but more in the coming episodes about what the Knicks can do with external players, free agents, and people who may be available in trades and what the Knicks can do. I, my understanding is the Knicks now don't have a draft pick this year, but they have a ton of draft capital in future years. Yeah. And, you know, so, so I think there's some opportunities and, you know, they may have to, like, package a draft pick with Fournier or something like that to get someone. And I, don't, I think the Knicks are going to be active, and it remains to be seen – what they do, but let's we'll save sort of the speculations and the trades because we we were up last night. We watched the Miami game. It, it's the end of a great season, and there's really the, just to do a very high level recap. Started off poorly, had a really great stretch. You know, end of the season okay. The Cleveland series was great. They looked like they could be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And Miami, who was on a roll from beating Milwaukee, so let's not forget they beat Milwaukee in five. Um, and also, let's not forget Miami was the number one seed last year and just had a bad regular season with basically the same team. <clears throat> so now they're left. They're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, which we'll talk about in a second. But let's go through the Knicks, just at a high level, season review and where we think maybe they fit in for the future. And then in future episodes, we'll talk about others. But I, I'll start with this. I saw the great Tommy Beer, who writes on Substack and Twitter, said about Jalen Brunson, the Knicks lost a series but gained a superstar. And I think at this point, Jalen Brunson, we've given him accolades all year. He scored 41 points last night, was absolutely phenomenal the whole series, the whole season. Without him, the Knicks would not have made the playoffs. Forget, like, play-in or anything. They were nowhere without him. Because basically last year's team was pretty similar, except they had Kemba Walker and, and Derek Rose and whoever playing the point guard. And Randall basically made all the decisions. I think he has hit the elite level. He should have been all NBA instead of Randall, anyone who watches. I know there's positional things and whatever, but Matt, what you just high level on Brunson for the he, year. He was, he was great all year. Without him, I don't think the Knicks make the playoffs uh, even close to it. I think the Knicks are a 31-win team without him, 25-win yeah. team. His positional versatility, <laughs> the ability to, to make shots on the pull-up, his quick decision-making – He's a bonafide star. I mean, it's... Leader, leader. star, just great guy. You know, you could see his father talking to him last night yeah. in a few few places. I know he was very frustrated last night. I know he gets frustrated. Sometimes he looks at Randall and says, I'm not passing it there. I don't want to stop the ball. But I, I do think there were issues with, not with Brunson, but with Randall last night and in the series. And I know in the beginning of the series he was injured, but... I think it was past the injury. So Randall's supposed to be the number two option. And I think Miami welcomed every time he got the ball last night and the season two. I think Randall kind of just has fallen out of the things that made him successful earlier in the year, which was the decision-making, taking good shots, being, getting others involved. I just think he kind of felt like he had to force a lot of things and for Randall, I feel like this has been a common reoccurring theme for him in big moments. It just seems like he comes up sort of short. Yeah, and 
The question the Knicks are going to have to answer is how does Randall fit in, in the future? It's it's interesting because I think it's on in one hand he he obviously helped you get here. He played a great regular season. You can't deny that. He's been solid for the last couple of years, but on the other hand, it seems like in all these big games it's just like he's scoring 10 or 15 points, not doing too much and th- turning the ball over a lot, which isn't good. Yeah, and you know, this is the second playoff series, the Atlanta series two years ago, where he just sort of crapped out in it. And going forward, the Knicks are going to have to look to see. I mean, this this gets tricky. I don't know where you exactly trade Randall and who's going to take him. If you know, he has two years left on his contract. I guess he 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 was a third team All NBA, but is there a team that sees him as the missing piece? It's very tricky. I mean, I I think there's two sides to it. On one hand, if you're a team that needs kind of interior scoring punch and that positional versatility, Randall is a decent option if the Knicks give you draft capital to pair with him. I think on the other hand, the stuff he's shown in the playoffs isn't too great, but he has a lot of good moments. I think he just forces things too much in the playoffs. Yeah, I I agree. So we're going to have to see with that. R.J. Barrett last night was terrible. He was 1-for-10 shooting. Uh, He did make a lot of foul shots. He scored 9 points from the foul line and 2 points from the field. So, um, R.J., Matt, your thoughts? Um, A lot of people, like, might give me, like, crap for this, but I'm, like, people said, oh, he played great in the playoffs beside this one game. I'm I'm in the, the school of he's not a good shooter, and I don't know if the Knicks need to waste more time with him. I think... RJ played well in some games. You know, I I, ne- I will never believe that he will be this elite shooter that's going to come out. He can't shoot. And I think, he, yes, he has his moments where he can get to the basket. He slashes. But he's never going to be a dead-eye three-ball shooter. He's never going to be a great mid-range pull-up shooter. The Knicks have to be realistic with him. And, and I honestly think a lot of teams would take him. So... Maybe you pair him with Randall. Maybe you ship him by himself. Yeah, I do think a lot of teams would take him. I yeah. think I think there are a lot of opportunities that – and you're right. I don't know that he's ever going to be anything more than a third option on maybe a, a good to medium team, not a great team. You know, maybe he's a bench player on a great team who comes in and slashes with the second unit on like a great team. He's. I think we're seeing probably the best he's going to be right now. His shooting has – not good. It's just not good. Last night was so bad, but he's sometimes better than that. But he is good slashing to the basket. It's a shame they couldn't use him more picking the pace up a little. Yeah. So I think it remains to be seen with him. So let's talk about some of these other guys in sort of pairs. You have the Grimes and Toppin who are going to come up as whatever they are, fourth year guys. And, and you know, how do they fit in, do you think, moving forward? So like, I'm I'm not in this school of thought. Some of the people on Twitter are like, oh, Grimes and Toppin are vital to the team. <laughs> I think they're fine. If they were traded away for some reason to with other guys, I wouldn't be crying about it at night. I do like Grimes. I think he brings a lot of good shooting and he's a good defender. So I have grown to really like Grimes. I'm not like spending a buck buttload of money to keep him though. I don't yeah. think he's super necessary. Toppin, same thing. He's good guy off the bench. He's not like going to be a superstar. He's like a good bench player. I don't, you know, I don't think he maxes out more yeah, than that. I, 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 I agree with you. I'm not sure what Toppin is as like a full-time starter. I think he'd be a starter on a bad team. Yeah. And we'd have to see. Now, quickly had a great season. He was 
um, you know, almost six man of the year, but he was terrible in the playoffs. So I've been thinking a lot about this. I think with quickly, obviously great regular season was in the six man of the year conversation, great off the bench playoffs was a bust, like you said, but interestingly enough, you could attribute it to some of his youth as opposed to like, he just fizzled out in the playoffs. He got hurt a little bit. So I'd give quickly more of a run. Would I give him a, a rookie extension or throw a lot of money at him? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't proven much. So I think he needs another season of just... Yeah, I think he'll be around next year. Yeah. It's just a matter of sort of where he fits in. Now, Robinson and Hartenstein, um, we can talk about them individually. Robinson first. I don't know. I don't know the... I mean, he, he's a role player at best. He gets some rebounds. Not really a tough guy. There were so many times I was watching the Miami series where I was like, how did that guy get by? I mean, how did... And Hardenstein, at least last night, was standing up to some guys and actually said, Jimmy Butler, you're not coming in here, or Vincent or whoever. It seems like sometimes Robinson's watching them go to the basket. It is. And I think with Robinson, it's tough because his contract is pretty extensive. Yeah. Like, he is a good rim protector and he does yes. rebound well normally. So it's not... I think this series, he kind of... Lost it in himself. Except for one game. Except, Except for one game. game. Yeah. He kind of lost it. I thought the Cleveland series he did amazing. I yes, thought against was... tough big guys. Yeah. yeah. So I think Robinson is a very interesting piece. Sometimes on offense, I don't know how they really get him involved. I think they kind of just artificially <laughs> manufactured touches for him. So Robinson will stay around. I'm not, yeah, like, I'm not in the so. school of thought of dumping off Robinson. I really like Hartenstein. I do too. Yeah. I think he's a great rotational big. They got him on a team-friendly deal. He's a guy that, like, they need to keep. Like, so I agree with that. And I think Hartenstein, between Hartenstein and Robinson, the center play was much better this year than when they had, you like know. Like Nerlens Noel and, and Taj Gibson yeah. and all those guys. I think the center play was much better. And Hartenstein definitely was a gamer. Like, he was out there. He was hustling and provided a lot. And, and, and the last guy who I think is an interesting case, and there's a contract thing with Josh Hart, but Josh Hart came in, was great in the regular season, I mean, propelled the Knicks in midseason when they made the trade, was not great in the playoffs, though. He was good last night. I mean, you know, he played tough defense, and he has certain limitations to his game, but I, I like Josh Hart, and I think he should be around. I, I love Josh Hart's toughness and versatility. The playoffs brought his ups and downs for him, but I think... <laughs> being further ingratiated in the team and the culture and will serve him well for next season. I just love his toughness. He d does the little things right. And it, plus he had a guard, Jimmy Butler, which yeah, isn't easy. It was tough. It was tough. But I think he, they say he's going to try and take a team friendly extension from the Knicks, which I think would be awesome. Help with the cap maneuvering. So I'm all for keeping Josh And I Hart. think he wants to be on the Knicks. Yeah. Jalen Brunson and him are really good friends. <laughs> yeah. So from the Villanova days, so... So they're building a good nucleus. I think that this year is a year of progress. They're not quite there. I don't think, you know, and we'll talk more about this. I don't want to talk about this today, but I don't think there's like the Aaron Rodgers move that's going to bring them no. to the next level kind of thing. There's, I think, interestingly enough, you brought, you brought it up. There's no crazy move like that because the NBA has a lot of parity now. Yes. Two, Two playing teams made the the conference finals. That's right. This isn't this isn't the league of the past where the super teams are going to win no. it every year. You can't, you know, the Nets prove that you can't just get three superstars. Even Phoenix proved that too. You can't get three superstars 
and just say, hey, we're going to win because we have three superstars and a bunch of bench guys. Yeah, quick side note on Phoenix too. To to do all that maneuvering and to, to get fizzled out in the playoffs really stinks. I yeah. mean, just thinking about that. Yeah, just, so let's just quickly segue. Let's talk, as long as you're talking about the West, we have Denver against the Lakers. Who do you like in that, man? So I've been thinking a lot about this. The Lakers are hot right now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they beat Golden, Golden State. State a lot less, like, yeah. LeBron, LeBron AD and them, you know, D'Angelo Russell's playing well. It's interesting though. Denver like has been, been in it for a while, but they haven't broken through. I feel like Jokic is going to be well rested. He's going to, I don't know. I think, I think this is Denver's year. I think Denver is going to beat the Lakers and we'll talk about the finals. So in the East, we have Philadelphia, Boston playing game seven tomorrow in Boston. Who do you like in that? I'll say Boston. And then if I were to pick like Boston, Miami, I'll say I'll do both Boston Miami or Philly Miami. Boston Miami, I'll go quickly here. Um, I think Miami could beat Boston more so than Philly. I think Boston's big guys won't match up as well with Miami. I think Bam Adebayo much more of a mess, mismatch like the Knicks. I think Tatum and Brown though definitely a tough duo. Philly though I think gives uh, the Heat the biggest problem. I think Embiid is just a mismatch for everybody on their team. Yeah, so I think I'll give you mine, and then I'll come back to you for the end. I think Philly's going to beat Boston tomorrow night. I think Philly's going to beat Miami because I think there's it, it, yeah. it, just the Embiid factor. I think Denver's going to beat the Lakers in a tough series, and I think it is your Denver's year to break through. So you'd have Denver and Philly in the finals. I think Denver's going to win the finals. Yeah, if you if so, what do you think, Matt? Denver Philly is a tough matchup. I think that series could go seven. I'll, I'll say Denver. I just think Denver. I think Jokic is incredible. Like he's like Larry Bird. He is. He's it's unbelievable. Like Larry Bird esque. I'll say. Jamal Murray, like they, it just it feels like their year. I mean, Philly could could as well. I mean, Embiid was MVP. He's been yeah, unbelievable. But they're playing a tough game tomorrow night in Boston. Anyone could win. Anybody that game. could win that game. So this has been a great NBA playoffs. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I watch NBA playoffs every night. Which when we get to the Mets segment, I'll explain why I haven't watched the Mets that much. But so this is a great wrap on the Knicks season. We're getting into the there's still the the NBA playoffs you should watch every night. We'll talk more in future episodes about where the Knicks are going and other external players, but we are going to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk Mets and Jets. Okay, we are back and we're going to talk a little Mets and Jets. So let's let's get the Mets out of the way. The Mets, mm. the Mets are lucky that the Knicks have been in the playoffs and that the Jets with Aaron Rodgers and all the NFL draft and hoopla with the schedule have hidden them a little bit. The Mets started out the season pretty nicely. They did a good West Coast trip, and they've come back, and they haven't really played many home games, so we haven't gone to a game. I think we're both going to a game next week uh, against Cleveland on, on next Saturday. But So we'll have more Mets coming up. But I, I've seen a little bit of the Mets. They've been pretty disastrous in general. They lost, you know, two or three to Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, they were shut out 5 nothing. The only game they won was Verlander pitched seven innings, and that's like the one, you know, in a one-run ball. That's like the one thing that's been good. The other thing that's been good is that Beatty and Alvarez have started to hit. Alvarez has been uh, uh, hit a few home runs and has started to hit, and we still see Mauricio and Vientos in uh, AAA hitting like home runs every night and wondering when the Mets are going to have to turn it over to the rookies. And I think 
They're playing Washington this weekend. Scherzer still is not back. Scherzer has, you know, crimps in his neck after being suspended. He has not pitched very much this year. Verlander is finally starting to pitch. Senga's getting in a little bit of a groove, had a little bit of a rough outing last time, but showing some promise. But other than that, the bats have been silent the last few weeks. And fortunately, no one's paying too much attention to the Mets. But now the Knicks are over. And while the NBA playoffs are still on, then the Jets, you know, while there's still some stuff going on, and we'll talk a little about the Jets' schedule, um, it's time for the Mets to to heat up a little bit. I, if I were looking at what the Mets are doing and not knowing that their manager was Buck Showalter, I would think the manager's in jeopardy. But at this point, it's not the thing. Matt, any any thought on the Mets so far? Yeah, it's I've just seen a lot of the box scores. I've watched a couple games, and it's it's been rough. I think especially the Red series was a low point. Oh. Terrible. My friend was texting me. He was a big Reds fan. He's like, how did you guys lose to us? And it's like, you, you wonder that. Oh, my God. Um, so it's just disappointing. I hope they can take the, swing things around for the summer. But, you know, nevertheless, you know, season is just starting now. It's May 15th on Monday. They're playing Tampa Bay this week at home, which yeah. is going to be quite a series. It'll be tough. Very tough series. And I think Verlander and Scherzer are going to pitch in that. Um, it was terrible. I mean, I, I saw uh, Thursday afternoon they lost the Reds 5 nothing. It's like, how do you lose the Reds 5 nothing? Fortunately, it was a Thursday afternoon tucked away with NBA playoffs and everything. And at this point, the Mets have been a, a pretty much of a disaster, but... I think, you know, they and they've also played very few home games where there's been, like, decent weather. There was, they played Atlanta, they won one of three there, it was raining every day, uh, they had to play doubleheader. Tampa Bay Series this week, and then we're going to the game with Cleveland next week, so we will give more of a Mets report next week, and now that the Knicks season is over. So let's spin, because the other big non-Knicks story this week was the NFL schedule came out. Jets in prime time. Jets are in prime. The Jets, basically, you got used to 1 o'clock Sunday. You can forget 1 o'clock Sunday. There are very few 1 o'clock Sundays. And in one of our first episodes, we knew who the Jets' opponents were. We went through the schedule and gave the wins-losses. We'll, we'll save that to do it again. But I want to talk at a macro level about their schedule and just go through it you know, by blocks of games. So... And this is my concern with the Jets' schedule. The first four games, and I'm going to read this out, is Buffalo at the Jets on Monday night, 9-11, the first Monday night game of the season, followed by at Dallas on Sunday, 4 o'clock. So there's no more 1 o'clock. Now, the only 1 o'clock Sunday games is the third game with New England coming to the, to, to the Jets, which is going to be great with uh, the big revenge game. And then the fourth game of the season – is Kansas City at the Jets, Mahomes versus Rodgers on Sunday night football. So the Jets in that block of four games get two, a Monday night, a Sunday night, a Sunday at 425 CBS, and the New England game. And the concern I have, as great as the Jets are going to be, and everyone's hyping them up, is you can't come out of the gates one and three with that really hard block of four games. Thoughts on that? Yeah, just it's not even like the it wouldn't be a reflection even of how good the Jets are. It's just that block of games is tough. I mean, yeah. the for the Super Bowl champs. Yes, you have Buffalo, Buffalo, Dallas at Dallas, and yeah. New England, who's probably not going to be as good. Yeah, but a division foe nonetheless. Division foe. So then, then you get the next block of four games is then at Denver, 
which is, you know, with Sean Payton now, and that's a Sunday at 4 o'clock game. Philadelphia at the Jets, another Super Bowl team on four, Sunday, 4 o'clock. And then the Jets have a week off, so they're by, and then they come back, they play the Giants, you know, which is a Giants home game. But so the Jets actually have played 10 times at MetLife, nine home games in the Giant game. That's oh, like wow. a record, which is good. And then the following week, they play the Chargers on Monday night uh, at home. So that's another tough block of games. So none of the easy games so far for the Jets, and we've read through the first eight. Then after that first eight, you have at Las Vegas on Sunday night, which is Garoppolo, going to be a tough game, at Buffalo. Then Miami at... My, this is great. Miami at the Jets on Black Friday. Yeah. So they're playing Amazon Black Friday game uh, at MetLife, and then finally, you know, you're at you know week tw- you know week thirteen, but twelfth game, Atlanta at the Jets. So there's a breather, but it's like after like you know tw- eleven tough game. Matt's thoughts so far? Yeah. The, it seems like every preceding game isn't. There's no like gimme games in there. Like, yeah. I mean, Denver might not be as challenging, but who knows? Who knows? Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson and, and, you know, and Sean Payton. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like the Jets have a tough, just a tough schedule. Right. Overall. Now, this is, this is if they can make it through that first 12 games, here's the last five. So Houston comes in, which was, you know, wish like I wish this was like college football where they had a few gimme games. Yeah, like the, the first four was easy, 50-point right, blowouts. Right, right. And then, and then you get into the, to the conference games. Um, at Miami on on December seventeenth, Washington with new ownership yeah. coming in on uh, the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve, and then then right after they play at Cleveland in a Thursday, the final Thursday night game of the year, and then the last game of the season is New England. Time to be determined based on that. So the last stretch of games is not brutal. But it's still not easy. It's no. not like super easy, right? And this is this is what happens. You had they had it. They're, they're, the the thing is the way they're structured this year is they're playing the NFC East. So those are you know it's Washington, which Giants, is, Dallas, Giants, and Philadelphia. So they have to play those guys, and then they're playing the AFC West, which is Kansas City's, you know, the Chargers and Denver and uh, uh, the Raiders. So those are all tough games. Plus. The division is good. Yeah. Miami's good. Buffalo's good. New England's probably not going to be as good as they've been. So we love what the Jets did in the draft. We, 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 you know, last time we were talking about the draft, it seems like they filled in a few pieces on the deep. They signed Al Woods. They signed another guy on the offensive line. They brought in Randall Cobb to be a fifth receiver. They're probably not done, and we'll have a lot of news in the next few weeks when they have the June 2nd cutdowns. Yeah. And who knows about guys like Corey Davis, and, and who knows who they may be able to pick up out of that. So, the, and look, let's be honest. The Jets' defense is great. Aaron Rodgers, as we talked about, isn't coming in to you know save everyone, but he's going to come in and you know be a great quarterback. So yeah. this is a going to be exciting season. We'll, we'll, we'll have a future episode go game by game and break down. But, and Matt, any last thoughts on the Jets' uh, 
schedule and prospects. No, it's tough, but I think it's any if you're a good team, you're gonna you have to beat good teams. You can't just That's like right. you can't go through winning a bunch of gimme games and then I think there was the illusion last year with the Jets where Oh, we were. What were they? Seven and three, six and three. Yeah, something they were like seven that. and four. Seven and four, and there was kind of this illusion that everything was okay. And yeah. I think now they're actually a good team, so you got to go beat the good teams. No, and they're going to be playing the sort of irregular schedule. It's not going to be one o'clock. We're going to see much less of you know Adam Archuleta and James Lofton announcing games, and it's going to be Joe Buck, and it's going to be uh, Mike Tirico, and it's going to be Jim Nance. So. Um, hopefully we get to see Ian Eagle and Charles Davis because I like them. But, uh, you know, it's just really going to be an exciting time. So more on the Jets, a big Knicks week. Mets, we're going to the game next week, and we'll have more to report on that. I think, obviously, haven't been watching too much of the Mets because all the NBA stuff is so great. And the Knicks, uh, Matt, any last words? Not going to the Mets game. It'll be good live, live reporting for us. Yes. So. Yeah, just excited for our teams and hopefully, you know, good things to come. Good things to come, a great Knicks season, but better days to follow. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We've enjoyed it. We've also enjoyed a lot of the feedback we've gotten. And we're going to continue to pump this out and evolve this and uh, keep listening to you guys and you keep listening to us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.